26 dead after a devastating blaze erupted at an office building in China. A look at a series of deadly incidents. Is there a covert link between an illegal biolab in California and the Chinese military? The owner of the lab shouldn't even been in America. The latest scoop straight from U.S. officials and investigators. A viral hashtag backing 9-11's most infamous terrorist bringing TikTok back to the hot seat. Absolutely, it's intentional. How is the Chinese Communist Party involved? And a United States service member spotted holding the flag of the Chinese Communist regime. That has leader Xi Jinping arrived for a meeting with President Biden. Welcome to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A tragic incident in a northern Chinese city. A fire swept through the office building of a local coal company on Thursday, killing at least 26 people and injuring nearly 40. The province, Shanxi, is a major coal producer for China. Most of the victims were company employees. Authorities have detained 13 people in connection with the incident. The cause of the fire is still under investigation. Industrial accidents like fires often occur in China, with experts pointing to lax enforcement of safety standards. In April, a hospital fire in Beijing killed 29 people. Backlash against authorities soon sparked online over their alleged withholding of information from patients' relatives. In July, 11 people died after the roof of a school gym collapsed in the country's northeast. And in the month before, an explosion at a barbecue restaurant in northwestern China killed 31. That incident prompted a nationwide campaign in China to promote workplace safety. One of the worst such accidents happened in 2015 in Tianjin where a gigantic explosion at a chemical warehouse killed at least 165 people. The results are in from the probe of an illegal Chinese biolab in California. The lab was found in the small town of Reedley in December last year. The report from the Committee on the Chinese Communist Party comes after a friendly subpoena to local officials, who came back with thousands of pages of documents and evidence, including the lab owner's ties to the CCP. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. City officials in Reedley found around 1,000 transgenic mice, dangerous chemicals, and thousands of vials with biological substances in them at the illegal California Biolab last year. Biolab workers said the mice were genetically engineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus. After nine months of city officials sounding the alarm, the FBI declined to investigate and the CDC refused to act. City officials turned to their local representative, Congressman Jim Costa, for help. Costa told NTD there's some lessons to be learned from the example. We see how uh, easy uh, to uh, transport infectious diseases around the world is. Costa says he thinks the U.S. is very conscious of the challenges of COVID and concerned about how it's spread. The report says city officials found a freezer labeled Ebola that the CDC did not, with sealed bags inside. The deadly disease has a 25 to 90 percent lethality rate. When asked by email, the CDC said the bags did not merit testing unless labeled Ebola themselves. The public health agency concluded there was no evidence of select agents or toxins and had a court order state and local authorities to destroy all materials. Democratic ranking member Raja Krishnamurthy says he's glad the report has established some facts, but that more tools are needed to stop it from happening in the first place. And that currently anybody, including fugitives, fraudsters and terrorists, can buy dangerous pathogens online with little vetting. You need an identification, uh, a driver's license to get Sudafed in any lo local pharmacy, but you don't need even that to get Ebola online. 
The investigation revealed connections between the lab's owner and the CCP that include an ongoing criminal enterprise and large unexplained money transfers from Chinese bank accounts. The individual in question was a criminal with a long criminal record with dubious ties to the PRC. This was a massive problem and we're hoping this will spur productive legislative action going forward to prevent this from happening again. Congressman Kevin McCarthy, who represents a district next to the lab, says the report exposed a few hard truths. The owner of the lab shouldn't even been in America. He was here illegally. He had a judgment, as you watched in this report, from stealing IP. The lab owner, Jai Bay Jesse Zhu, was hit with a $330 million Canadian court judgment for IP theft in 2016. The fugitive was a former corporate officer in the CCP's military civil fusion organization. The committee established the companies that set up the lab are tied to Chinese companies and nationals. Congressman Gallagher says he hopes future hearings will produce a bipartisan agenda for steps Congress can take to prevent anything like the Reilly Biolab from happening again. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. A new blow to the Chinese stock market. Starting next year, Chinese and Hong Kong stocks are no longer getting a type of U.S. investment. The pension dollars of almost 7 million federal employees. This comes after a major decision from America's largest contribution pension plan. It's called the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. The pension fund reserved for U.S. government staff has decided to exclude investments from Hong Kong and China. The agency has over $700 billion in asset under its belt, and it manages retirement savings account for almost 7 million federal employees. What's behind the change? Triggers include investment restrictions on sensitive Chinese technologies, the booting of Chinese companies from U.S. stock exchanges, and sanctions on Russian securities. The agency noted that all of these risks could mean losses for investors. The agency also said the uncertainty could outweigh the benefits if it were to continue its exposure to Chinese and Hong Kong stocks. And there's a new trend. The demand is growing among global investors for investment funds that don't include China. That's as China's economic recovery continues dragging its feet. And tensions mount between the two superpowers. Plus, Chinese equities were underperforming as of October. President Joe Biden toasting the power of the Pacific during a gala dinner in San Francisco Thursday night, calling the president an inflection point in history. That together we can harness the power of the Pacific to grow our economies, to uplift our workers, to protect our planet, to connect our people to one another and the future of greater prosperity and dignity for all that we can change and bend the arc of history for the better if we make up our mind to do it. Here, here, welcome. The event was part of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit known as APEC. It came just one day after Biden's highly anticipated meeting with Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping. Biden recounted in his speech that Xi had asked him why the U.S. is so engaged in the Pacific. Biden said he answered with, quote, because we are a Pacific nation. Just after that meeting, Biden spoke to business leaders about Washington's trade stands on China, echoing the message that the U.S. is de-risking and diversifying economic relations with China, not decoupling. He also noted that stable relations between the world's two largest economies are good for the world. The U.S. focusing its attention to two of its most important Asian allies. President Biden met with Japan's prime minister and South Korea's president on Thursday. 
on the sidelines of the APEC summit in San Francisco. The leaders did not give remarks after the meeting, but the frequency of their talks has drawn attention. They met at Camp David just three months ago. Topping their discussion agenda, China's assertiveness in the region and threats from North Korea. During the APEC summit, Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida voiced his concerns about the Chinese regime. I also expressed my serious concern about China's increased military activities around Japan, including its cooperation with Russia, and stressed that peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait is extremely important for the international community, including Japan. Kashida met with Chinese leader Xi Jinping the day before. Kashida said little progress was made on pending issues, such as China's maritime activities around Taiwan and the arrest of a Japanese citizen on spying allegations. As the APEC summit winds down its final day, a snapshot from Chinese Communist Party head Xi Jinping's arrival in California has appeared on social media. Footage shows President Biden waiting outside to meet him. And just outside the building, a United States service member seen holding the flag of communist China. Visits from foreign leaders are often recognized with the display of their nation's flag. According to the State Department, the foreign flag should be flown on a separate staff from the U.S. flag. The U.S. flag is flown in the place of honor to the viewer's left. The decision to station a U.S. service member to hold a flag comes alongside tense U.S.-China relations. Washington remains highly critical of issues including human rights abuses and espionage tied to Beijing. Next, in the shadow of hot war between Israel and Hamas, an anti-Semitic letter written by Osama bin Laden has gone viral on TikTok. It's been circulating among the U.S. users since Monday. Some TikTok users have started lashing out against U.S. foreign policy toward the Middle East, accusing the U.S. of suppressing Palestinian people. The hashtag tied to the letter gained nearly 2 million views before the platform took it down. 22 years ago, bin Laden orchestrated the infamous 9-11 terror attacks, which killed nearly 3,000 Americans. He was killed in Pakistan 12 years ago in a U.S. special operation. Before his death, he had openly condemned U.S. military efforts in the Middle East in conflicts. Entities Chris Spears spoke to the co-author of the book Understanding the China Threat for more. TikTok shows that a bad idea like the bin Laden letter and its support can circulate very rapidly. And that shows how um, through that dangerous medium, uh, 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 essentially uh, American values, uh, norms, our political culture and our elections uh, can be undermined. TikTok is owned by Chinese internet company ByteDance. When asked if the Chinese Communist Party is behind the anti-American content on the app, they are said... Absolutely, it's intentional. Well, they control ByteDance, and ByteDance owns TikTok, and so they control uh, the, the algorithms. They uh, uh, are able to identify what will, the content will be, uh, as well as what content is privileged, what content is emphasized, and what content is uh, suppressed. In an interview with Fox News on Wednesday, Senator Hawley also remarked on the app. We should be stopping it, Sean. We should ban it. And listen, I think communist China right now is an espionage tool. It's a propaganda machine, and we ought to ban it. TikTok removed the viral hashtag after media started reporting on the story, and backlash sparked online. 
top leaders from Europe and China set to meet next month in Beijing. The head of the European Union, Ursula von der Leyen, set a key goal for the summit on Thursday, to achieve a level playing field in trade. Citing one example, she said there's a clear overcapacity of electric cars in China, something she said would be exported to Western countries, especially with China's economy slowing. She also pointed out that Beijing's state subsidies to Chinese companies partially led to it and that they created an uneven playing field. China's trade surplus with the EU hit its highest on record last year, reaching over $400 billion. In her speech, von der Leyen repeated that Europe has to, quote, get China right, and noting that China is not the same country as it was 10 years ago. Coming up, all eyes are on the high-stakes U.S.-China talks this week. President Biden is seeking to reassure allies the U.S. is a more reliable trade partner than China. How will the message impact the U.S.-China rivalry? And what are the key takeaways? Plus, details on the $40,000 ticket sold to U.S. business groups to dine at the Chinese regime leader's table. How should we read the controversial dinner? We sat down with Doug Stroop, director for the Center for Trade and Innovation, for more. His comments after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. All eyes are on the high stakes U.S. China talks. That says President Biden is on a mission to reassure U.S. allies that America is a more reliable partner than China. How will it impact the ongoing rivalry between the two? And hold on to your seats. Tickets priced at $40,000 each were sold to U.S. business groups to dine with the leader of the Chinese regime. How should we interpret the event? To discuss, we sat down with Doug Stroop, director for the Center for Trade and Innovation. Doug Stroop, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Tiffany. Thanks for having me on. All eyes have been on the high-stakes meeting between President Biden and Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping. Now, on the sidelines of the APEC summit, a lot of topics were brought up. Climate, military-to-military communications, fentanyl trade. What were your key takeaways from this summit? Um, the big takeaway that is getting the most attention is the resumption of military-to-military communications, which is a huge deal. I'm very pleased to see this. But overall, I don't think this is necessarily as significant as some people may be attributing or have as much significance as some people are attributing to it. Um, this appears to me to be sort of a period of cyclical warming among a longer-term protracted decline relationship. Um, so a lot of this progress that we saw in this meeting is really just getting back to an already lower starting point. Of a lot of these things went away following Nancy um, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's visit in August of 2022. So at that point, we saw this further deterioration of the relationship um, where we had, um, you know, stopped these military mi- military to military communications, cooperation on counter narcotics, climate talks. Um, so now we're seeing the resumption of these things, which is great, but it's it's at best sort of getting close to back to where we were a year ago, and it's not necessarily moving the relationship in, in a positive direction for the long term. It's sort of slowing, slowing the, the decline or the deterioration of the relationship for the moment, which is great, but I, I think I see a longer term trend of the continued deterioration. 
To your point, we saw several CEOs pay about $40,000 a head to eat at the same table as Xi Jinping. But from the Biden administration, Biden did promise better economic cooperation with China, but stopped short of a trade deal. How do you read that? I think that falls in line with what we were just saying, that this is just an effort to ease the tensions. I, I find it hard to believe that meaningful progress on that front is going to be achieved or come out of this, um, especially when you look at some of the other um, U.S. actions in the trade space lately, mainly pulling back from the trade pillar of the Indo-Pacific economic framework. Um, given that we're struggling to even achieve our own trade propositions, I find it difficult to believe that we're going to make significant progress in a much more tense area. Now, following this summit between Biden and Xi Jinping, Biden is now promising our Asian Pacific allies in the region that the U.S. is a more reliable trade partner than the Chinese Communist Party. Where do you see that going? Are we going to have more trade ties there instead of with China? Yeah. Again, I would come back to the Indo-Pacific economic framework and the developments there recently. Um, so in addition to the Biden-Xi meeting, there is the broader APEC meeting which are the purpose of this, this week's congregation in San Francisco. So there were some notable achievements there with the IPEF's um, supply chain agreement and clean economy agreement and fair economy agreement and some other progress. But just prior to the APEC meetings, the U.S. pulled back from the trade pillar of the IPEF negotiations, which is really a significant blow as I think US was, the, U, the United States was really trying to use its APEC host year to announce its Indo-Pacific economic framework. And this week was supposed to be the moment to really announce that it achievement and the trade pillar is basically, it's very fundamental to that framework overall. And that is the one pillar that we failed to achieve progress on. I will say the Biden administration has consistently been engaging more and better in more meaningful ways in the Indo-Pacific, especially in Southeast Asia with our partners in Korea and Japan, in the Pacific Islands. Um, but pulling back from the trade pillar will continue to raise these concerns about long-term consistency in U.S. policy, reliability, and just trust overall in, in working with the U.S. on trade issues. Doug Stroop, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you soon.